Hey, it's Pat. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. In case you're not familiar with me, I've been helping people retire for over 20 years now, author of the book Save Your Retirement, and host of the Save Your Retirement radio show. Our goal with this show is to provide you with valuable and timely information to help you plan your retirement, or if you're already retired, help you make the most of it. Ultimately, we want to help you use your money to accomplish your goals and dreams and to help you avoid any stress and fear with your finances and instead replace those with confidence and peace of mind. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe so you won't miss future episodes. Also, if you'd like to give us a great rating, it would mean so much to us and it helps get the word out so we can share this valuable information with others. Thank you so much. And now here's this week's episode. You've heard Pat on radio. Now you can see him on television. You've read his books. You see him on television. You follow him on social media. And you can listen to him talk about life and retirement right here, right now. He is Pat Struby, and this is Save Your Retirement, presented by Preservation Specialists. Last year was a year of worsts for our economy. Even the bond market logged its worst year on record, leaving new retirees wondering, how can I stay retired and what am I supposed to do to help make sure I won't run out of money? And these concerns, they're not going away so far in 2023 with new concerns this year about interest rates, inflation, and even bank failures. But you are in the right place. We are so glad you're here with us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. Pat is the founder of Preserve specialists. And Pat, I know we have a lot to get to today, but I hope you're doing great this week. I am doing very well. Yes. Uh, Janelle and I and the girls are uh, enjoying spring and um, dodging pollen and trying to enjoy uh, some of the nice weather uh, while we can. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's the, the name of the game for a lot of us is dealing yes. with those allergies. It's never, yes. never a fun time. It's the last thing that anybody wants. And Pat, today we're going to talk about some of the last things that anybody wants as, as it relates to retirement. And the last thing that you want when you retire is to run out of money. And Pat, for people who just retired or who are getting ready to retire, these past few years have not made it easy. And the Fed has started um, increasing interest rates to help tamp down inflation. But gosh, that's just caused so much more uncertainty for consumers, right? Yeah, we've talked, um, you know, over the years about how, you know, leading up to, you know, maybe the last year or so, I was saying it was a really, really difficult time to be planning for retirement or to be actually retiring when you looked at how high the stock market was, um, you know, tax concerns um, and interest rates being really low. But the one thing we had uh, to our advantage that I would always say is, but at least inflation is low. So that that was the one good thing going on. Well, now we don't have that either. So uh, inflation, of course, went way up and there was, you know, the silliness of calling it transitory which I think we all kind of knew that that there was no way that was actually true. (laughs) So yeah, the Federal Reserve has, it's been a very aggressive increase in interest rates and that affects the economy in so many ways. So, So we're seeing you know, the fractures of that, I think, yes. right now uh, in so many ways. So I think it's a, a really timely topic for us to be talking about. Yeah. And, and it just seems like there are so many factors adding to all of this uncertainty that we already feel because of inflation. And now we're seeing concerns about bank failures, which is probably mm-hmm. the, the last thing that any of us saw coming. Jerome Powell is the chair of the Federal Reserve, and he says it's still too early to say whether the problems with the banking industry could cause this high inflation to persist even longer. Too early to say, really, whether these events have had much of an effect. It's hard for me to see how they would have helped the possibility, but I I guess I would just say it's too early to say whether there really have been changes in that. The question will be how long this period is sustained. The longer it's sustained, then the greater will be the likely uh, tightening of credit availability. All right. So still too early to say, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that we got to wait and see, I guess, how these things (laughs) unfold. Well, and, you know, we do a lot of, of course, we're not trying to time markets. We're not trying to predict the future. Those are very dangerous things to try and do. And, of course, there's people, there's billionaires who don't know how to do, you know, that aren't capable of doing those either, that have a lot more resources than we have. But we do read and study uh, and listen to what's going on. And it's been very clear for a while that uh, the Fed has really painted themselves into a corner. You know, there was a lot of free money. Uh, during the COVID stretch. And uh, the government wanted that to continue for a really long time. So a lot of the commentaries that I read say, 
this has never been done before. So anyone who says they know what's going to happen, uh, they don't. <laughs> uh, but the one thing that can be sure is the efforts to make this a painless transition. It's going to take some magic <laughs> for, by the <laughs> Fed. So we're, we're prepared for rocky times for sure. Yeah. I guess, what are some big questions that you're hearing right now from clients? I mean, what are people worried most about right now when you think about all the, the things going on with our economy these days? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's probably a few different ones. Jen, I think, you know, just asking questions about how is my money protected? You know, what are worst case scenarios? You know, uh, are we are we looking, you know, if, if the banking industry fails, you know, what happens in America? And then I think one of the most specific ones that we heard right away is, if there are specific banks that are failing, how does that affect me? Do I have money that's at risk because of that? And I think that that's a very smart question to be asking. Mm-hmm. If you have money invested in any type of stock or bond portfolio or mutual funds, uh, whether it's direct with a company like Vanguard or if, with its, if it's with an advisor, it's a very reasonable question to be asking. As soon as the news came out, you know, we started reaching out to our different portfolio managers and we do everything we can to be, you know, of course, a company like Preservation Specialists, we're not taking really risky, you know, sure. uh, investments, generally speaking. Uh, so we try to do everything we can to divvy the funds up and have different layers of protection. And and th- we're very thankful that we received very positive feedback from portfolio managers. There was no no client of ours that had any direct participation that we're aware of in any of the banks that, that have struggled and um, even really anything indirectly as well. And uh, one of the responses that we got from one of our portfolio managers, they, they said that they like to try to create extreme diversification. And their comment was that type of diversification doesn't matter until it matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just really liked that because I, that's kind of what we talk about with our clients. We talk about the financial house and the three levels of the house. And, you know, my most recent book, The Retirement Secret, is all about the fact that there is no perfect investment. And that's why we have to have this type of divvying up our money. And, um, you know, I think it matters to everyone, but a lot of our clients, Jen, are kind of in that. 50s and 60s when that might be the time of your life when you have the largest pile of money you've ever saved. And mm, so right. having some kind of protection for that is really, really important. And so, you know, if you're listening to the show and you have, you're in that world where you've kind of been accumulating and saving, and if you're not sure if you have different protections, if you're not sure if you've divvied your money enough, if you have, you know, your money in stocks and bonds and, you know, you're worried about those kind of jumping around, give us a call at 803-9-RETIRE. We'll offer to you as a listener to the show a portfolio review at absolutely no cost and no obligation. This gives you an opportunity to take a look and see what type of risk you're exposed to. Um, have you done a great job of, of divvying it up and diversifying it, or is there is there downside risk there? As a listener of our show, we'll do that for you. Again, no cost and no obligation. Just call us at 803-9-RETIRE. Talking today with Pat Struby. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists, and I am Jen Rizak alongside. And as we talk a little bit about Pat, some of the things that people do have questions about, again, I, I think uh, it was one of the last things that we saw coming was some of this uncertainty, some of these questions that we all have now about what's going on in the banking industry. So let's just f- spend a couple minutes talking about that a little bit, Pat, because um, it's one of those things that you kind of take it for granted. And, and you you don't really think about possible issues with certain things until you know until it's uh, kind of too late sometimes but when we're talking about some of these places that our money might be how is our money protected what measures are in place there yeah so I, this is a really important topic to discuss and certainly timely so I always say, you know, I've learned uh, from experience, there's really only four ways to truly protect your money. And so, you know, again, if you're just starting out out of high school or college, that's probably not your biggest concern. But if you've been working your whole lifetime, that's a really big deal. So the first one, very uh, hot in the news right now is FDIC insurance on your bank accounts. Um, so that had been, uh, for us old timers, uh, up to around 2008, that was $100,000 per person. They moved it up to 250000 Where does that stand right now? Who knows? Because the government's kind of implying that they're going to cover that for anybody at any amount. But of course, you know, there's not unlimited money to do that. So that's one of those things you want to be thinking about if you've been accumulating a lot of money and are anywhere near those limits or above those limits, you know, maybe thinking about divvying up some funds. Um, the next one is called, it's a, not as known as well, it's called SIPC insurance. That has to do with if you have money at brokerage accounts, mutual fund companies like a Vanguard again, um, that is up to $500,000 per person. That's basically protecting 
protecting you against, you know, that company failing or, you know, something fraudulent happening. Mm-hmm. Even the Bernie Madoff situation, mm-hmm. those investors mm-hmm. were covered up to $500,000. Now, the problem for them was many of them had, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars with him. So, yeah. so that's just a drop in the bucket. And there's still two others. There's the, um, of course, if you're investing in something that's offered by the federal government, like a treasury bill or a savings bond, those are backed by the full faith of the U.S. government, which has never failed on a promise to date. And then the fourth one would be uh, insurance and annuities are protected by something called guarantee associations. And so those have limits and those those depend on the state. So there's a lot of ways to protect your money, but there are all kinds of things out there that the people will offer you that go outside of those. And my opinion generally is there's plenty of options within those four. So right. to take the additional risk of going somewhere else is just really, it's an extreme step to take. Um, sure. So one of the things I was talking about, you know, earlier this week, Jen, with one of my clients is we talked about those four. And then the second layer of that was accessibility and liquidity to your money. They happen to have a large amount of money in one bank, um, you know, well into the six figures. And one of the things we talked about is, hey, if that bank fails, it may be protected by FDIC insurance, but can how long will it be before you can access that money? So maybe just thinking about, you know, divvying a little more, you know, maybe a little more in my brokerage account, a little more here, a little more there, that might give you some peace of mind to know you can get money when you need it. And Pat, as we think a little bit about some of these scenarios that are playing out as it relates to what's going on with the banking situation here and and the, the banking industry, how do we figure out how much exposure we have if there are bank failures or if this continues to happen? How much exposure do we have as far as the impact on our personal bank accounts? Yeah, I think, Jen, when it comes to, you know, your own personal exposure, it's just a matter of you're going to have to either call your advisor or if you're working directly with a bank or with a brokerage or a fund company of some kind, you just have to call them and, and ask them those tough questions. And, you know, no one should be offended by you asking and trying to understand how is your money safe? You know, if you have money in a bank account up to FDIC limits, you have certainly have safety there. Certain types of insurance and annuities provide some type of safety. Those, you know, savings bonds provide that. But if you're in something like a mutual fund or a stock portfolio, of course, you're taking some risk there. So it's just a matter of understanding the risks. Um, risk, generally speaking, can't be completely avoided. So we're just trying to find ways to manage it. And th- again, that's one of those things about just being educated and informed. That's the reason we offer, you know, a second look at your plan and at your portfolio at no cost and no obligation because it never hurts to have a second opinion on your life savings. So to take advantage of that, call us at 803-9-RETIRE. There's no cost and no obligation for listeners of the show. That number again is 803-9-RETIRE. This is Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. We'll be back. To get a portfolio review with no cost or obligation from the team at Preservation Specialists, call right now at 803-973-8473. That's 803-9-RETIRE. Hi, this is John Farley. Now let me ask you, is your retirement inflation-proofed? Here's what I mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Our team at Preservation Specialists can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call us today at 803-9-RETIRE to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings, but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to just a minor annoyance. Call the team at 803-9-RETIRE now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today. 803-9-RETIRE. That's 803-9-RETIRE. Securities offered through Arcadios Capital Member, FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Arcadios Wealth. Preservation specialists and Arcadios are not affiliated through any ownership. Have a question for Pat? Here's an easy new way to ask. Click on the radio tab at retirewithpat.com and record your question directly on the website. That's retirewithpat.com and click on radio. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. Pat is the founder of Preservation Specialists. He is the author of the books Save Your Retirement and The Retirement Secret. And today we want to talk a little bit about some of the decisions we need to be thinking about making with our IRAs, our 401ks. The reality is millions of Americans' retirement money is in something like one of these accounts, right? An IRA or a 401k. 
As a matter of fact, in the U.S. as a whole, retirement assets are more than $32 trillion, which just happens to be right about what our national debt is, <laughs> by the way. How about that? How about that? And over half of it, about $19 trillion, that's in IRAs and defined contribution plans. So, Pat, this is where a lot of people obviously are saving for retirement. we got to be thinking about what we do with this money. Yeah, and and of course, you know, one of the things that is feared and talked about in the media is that people are not preparing for retirement. So it's nice to hear that people, thirty-two trillion dollars worth, uh, has been saved for retirement. So that's the most important thing. But what we want to really dig into today is understanding all the tax ramifications of the different options that are out there, and and the good and the bad, and and how those affect you. Yeah, absolutely. And as we get into some of these options and some of these decisions, you need to understand that the type of four hundred one k or IRA that you have that really matters when it comes to how your retirement income will be taxed. And I think, Pat, that is a big thing that people miss when they are thinking about saving for retirement and then income in retirement. Yeah. Typically, when one of our advisors is meeting with someone the first time, we're quite often very impressed with how much saving and thought people are putting into things. And, um, you know, a lot of times people come in and say, well, I haven't saved as much as I should. And they're kind of embarrassed. But, you know, if you've been attempting to put money into some type of savings plan for 10, 20, 30 years, then you're doing an awesome job. And mm-hmm. so you don't, you don't have to worry about comparing what, you know, do I have as much as the person next door or, you know, someone else at my, sometimes people in the office will say, well, I have this much of my 401k and all those kinds yeah, of things. So, right. you know, this competition, right? It's not a competition. You're trying to do what's best for you. So that's great that you're saving. But then the most common question we get, Jen, is, how do I turn this into like retirement? Like, how do I live off of this? Right. And that's when the taxes matter. So uh, we talk about there being uh, three tax buckets. Uh, there's three different places you can toss money, and they're all taxed differently. So the one you mentioned, Jen, IRAs and 401ks, that's your pre-tax money. So money is going in. Let's say you're putting money in your 401k. That goes right in there. It does not get taxed like the money that goes into your bank account. So you avoid tax up front. You avoid tax while it's growing, which is great. Uh, but then that <laughs> money is taxed when you take it out. And that's where we kind of laugh. It's kind of a rude awakening for some of our clients because, yeah. you know, sometimes they're told, oh, you won't pay taxes in retirement. Well, if you do a decent job of saving, you might pay a lot of taxes in yeah, retirement if again, you're not planning. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then you have a second bucket, which we would just call the taxable bucket. Uh, and that's just if you have money in a savings account, in a CD, in a, you know, a brokerage or that's outside of retirement accounts. And that just gets taxed every year. Mm-hmm. And then you have what we would call post-tax or tax-free bucket. So that would be things like a Roth IRA, a Roth 401k. Now, in that case, you're not getting any tax benefit now, but if you follow the rules properly, when you take the money out in the back end, it can be tax-free. So, of course, there's trade-offs to all of those, right? There's no perfect choice, just like there's no perfect investment. So how do you know which ones to use? How do you know which ones you have available to you? These are the types of things that people hire us to help with, um, helping you figure out those different tax buckets. And I will say, a lot of our clients are really, really worried. You touched very briefly on the fact that we have over $30 trillion of debt as a country. Mm -hmm. um, And almost every expert on the economy says that eventually that will have to be paid by increases in taxes. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things that we have people coming to us saying, I'm really worried. I've saved a big old pile of money in my 401k. Uh, I'm worried about just paying a ton of taxes for the rest of my life off of that. What can I do? And so we tried to take some proactive steps uh, so you can take control of your taxes in retirement. Those are the kinds of discussions that, that are exciting for us and, and trying to help people you know, save those taxes down the road. Talk a little bit about what we need to know about when we have to start taking required minimum distributions, because there are rules for when we have to start taking money out of these accounts, and all that plays into this idea of how that income will be taxed, right? Yeah, and, and you know, we, we've been doing the show together a long time, so we have all kinds of topics to talk about. <laughs> and, and one right. of those topics, right, is all the important ages to, to yes. remember, you know. Well, and of course, there's rules of when you can tap into your retirement accounts. And a lot of people know, for example, 59 and a half is a common rule for accessing some of those accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's not as well known until you get 
closer or into retirement is there are ages when you're forced to take money out. And of course, people ask, well, that's not fair. Why, you know, why can they do that? And the government's answer basically is, hey, we've been giving you tax deferral for a while. Basically, they want to start taxing you and getting tax revenue from that. And the rationale is it's a retirement account. It's not designed to just accumulate until you pass away and leave it to family. So just so people know, that's the reason why those rules are there. And this has changed a few times now. For the longest time, it was age 70 and a half. Uh, and when you reach that point, you'd have to start taking money out. Uh, of course, we always laughed about the half and, you know, what a, what a ridiculous <laughs> rule that birthday, was. right? Exactly. Just make it as confusing as possible. So a few years back, they bumped that up to age 72. And then now Secure Act 2.0, they've bumped that up to 73. And there's actually a plan for it to increase down the road as well. Uh, so I think this is good. It's an acknowledgement we're living longer. Um, it simplifies things because it is, you know, a round number. Mm -hmm. uh, so we all know what year we turn 73. You know, it's the day you have that birthday. Easier. So yep. a little easier. Yeah. Uh, but RMDs, required distributions, bring a lot of confusion and a lot of complication. We get tons and tons of questions from people on these. So uh, it's definitely something that we would hate for you to be worried about or stressed about. So certainly if you have questions about how your retirement accounts are taxed, if you have to, how much you have to take out, does it make sense to be in a regular IRA or a Roth IRA, regular 401k, Roth 401k, give us a call now at 803-9-RETIRE. You sit down with one of our advisors and do a tax planning review, help you see where you're at right now. And most importantly, if you're on track for the future and if there's ways to reduce taxes in the future. Again, there's no cost for listeners of the show. Call us at 803-9-RETIRE. You're listening to Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists. The numbers, if you just want to hear that as you're punching it into your phone, 803-973-8473. Again, that's 803-973-8473. So let's talk a little bit more about the issues that we need to address when we start taking money out of these accounts, the taxes and the penalties that can also apply if we don't follow the rules, which just kind of adds insult to injury to have a penalty here also. <laughs> but just, Pat, talk a little bit more about what we need to know about thinking this through with taking money out of those accounts. Yeah, so um, the rule now is age 73 when you have to start taking required distributions or RMDs. And it used to be up until this year that if you did not take that distribution properly, there was a 50% penalty, which I, and I always remind people, that's not one five, that's five zero, mm, 50%, right. which is crazy. And I always said, I think, I believe it was the highest penalty yeah, in the, the entire tax code. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the uh, Secure Act 2.0 has dropped that down to 25%. So if you don't take the money out that you're supposed to, you will still have to take it later and still pay taxes on it and then pay a 25% mm -hmm. penalty. So this can cause a lot of stress and confusion if you think about, and the main reason I mentioned that is we talk about how there is no one perfect place to put your money. And so if you start to accumulate $100,000, million, $2 million in your nest egg, you generally aren't going to have all that in one account. So what happens is sometimes people reach that age and they have two, three, four, five IRAs. So making sure you're taking the right amount of money out can be extremely complicated. And you know you have to make sure each company is doing it properly. They're each sending you letters that are confusing. So it's one of those services that we're, we provide to our clients is we say, you don't have to worry about that stuff. That's our job. We'll just help you make sure you cover that so you don't have to worry about those penalties. Yeah, I mean, penalties, gosh, all of that, taxes, penalties, all of it, it just leads to the importance, I would think, of having a strategy for taking money out of those retirement accounts. This is a, a big part of, of what you do, right? Helping people with that withdrawal strategy. Yeah. So, you know, how do you withdraw money off of your nest egg in the way that makes the most sense for you to generate your retirement income? It's something that a generation or two, no one had to do because they were living off of a pension and social security. So it's, this is newer. Uh, also, we have those three tax buckets to consider. And the one thing I always like to point out is when you're working, you don't have a lot of control over your taxes. You're, you're trying to make as much money as you can and it's taxable and that's just the way it is. But in retirement, you can choose to withdraw from your accounts in any order that you want to. So if we can create a allocation of your accounts and some of it's taxable and some of it's tax-free, and what if we can f have a strategy for taking out of your accounts so that we are keeping you in the lowest tax bracket possible, generally speaking, you can be taking a total of around $100,000 a year out, and you can probably be, if you're married, in a 12% tax bracket. That's a pretty awesome place mm -hmm. to be. So those are the kinds of things that we try and build for our clients so that they can enjoy the income in retirement, but also minimize the amount of taxes that they're giving up. 
So, Pat, as we talk a little bit about this required minimum distributions, they still can trigger steep penalties if you don't follow the rules. You were talking about that just a little bit ago. I know it went down, but it's still a high penalty. And you don't want things like these penalties and potentially higher taxes really swiping away at your savings, eating into that, and leaving you with just a fraction of the money that you were counting on for your retirement. Yeah, if you were to make a mistake with your required distributions from your IRA or 401k, the penalty for not taking the full amount is 25% of the amount that you should have taken in addition to the income taxes on the distribution. You really need to understand the timing of your required distributions because they could potentially push you into a higher income tax bracket. They can trigger higher taxes on Social Security benefits, and they can cause a higher Medicare premium surtax. Imagine how fast your savings could shrink if you rack up steep penalties along with taking regular withdrawals and paying taxes. For listeners of today's show, if you've saved at least $250,000 for retirement, call 803-9-RETIRE, and we can help you create a retirement income plan that includes a strategy for taking distributions from your accounts to help ensure your retirement savings last as long as you need it to last. There's no cost and no obligation. It's only for listeners of today's show. That number again is 803-9-RETIRE. This is Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. We'll be back. You've heard Pat on radio. Now you can see him on television. Tune in Sunday mornings during the 7 o'clock news on WIS-TV, Columbia's NBC Channel 10. find out more about Pat and the team at Preservation Specialists, visit online anytime at retirewithpat.com. That's retirewithpat.com. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. Pat is the founder of Preservation Specialists and the author of the books Save Your Retirement and The Retirement Secret, talking today about all the decisions we need to be thinking about with our retirement savings. We've talked about this before on the show, Pat. It's a good thing to save. But saving is kind of the easy part sometimes. You can put that on autopilot. It gets a little tougher when we start to try to figure out what to do with that savings yes. uh, when we get to retirement. So whether it's a 401k or an IRA, one thing is certain, whatever it is that you have with your retirement savings, you cannot treat this retirement account like a big ATM. So Pat, give us some strategies that you recommend. How should we approach this? Yeah. One point I always want to make about how do you draw income off of your nest egg is people think this is crazy, but this is a very new idea. Hmm. Um, you know, just, okay. a, just a generation or two ago, most people weren't accumulating a big pile of money in a 401k. Two generations ago, there weren't 401ks. It didn't even exist. So people were living off of social security and maybe a pension. Maybe they had some money in the bank and they were maybe in 1980, they had in CDs making 15%. So it was pretty easy to figure out what you were going to do with your money. Well, over the last couple of decades, now we've become our own pension managers because now you throw everything in your 401k or your IRA and then you have a pile of money and you have to decide how am I going to live off of that. So the reason I bring that up is you shouldn't feel silly for wondering how do I do this. And in fact, one of the points I make in my most recent book, The Retirement Secret, is there's no such thing as an unbiased financial professional. To your point, Jen, you asked what are the strategies I like right, for mm-hmm. withdrawing yeah, money. Yeah. Well, you might talk to another advisor who has a completely different philosophy. That's so it's really okay. important to find someone that you're comfortable with. You know, One of the most common ideas in our industry is what we call the 4% rule, which is uh, you can take 4% of your money out if you have it in a mix of stocks and bonds. And on average, that will last you uh, over 30 years. However, what I don't like about that is that's an average. Well, what if you are unlucky? What what if the market does poorly when you retire, right? Well, guess what the result is? It means you're broke. And that's not something that we're comfortable with. So there are a lot of different strategies out there that are much more based on the stock market, much more based on hope. Our philosophy is much more let's control what we can control. So what we want to do is we want to, first of all, we want to look at your fixed income, the the different sources that can have some kind of set income for you. For most of us, that would be our social security benefits. Um, And then after that, do you have any kind of pension benefits? And so that's the money that you have coming in every month. And then we need to figure out, okay, how much more do you need off your nest egg? And only at that point, then are we going to start talking about how do we withdraw money from those accounts? I I hope that makes sense. It's kind of just kind of getting in 
the very framework <laughs> before we yeah. actually talk about withdrawal strategies, right? Right, right. Well, and let, let me just back up for a second, too, because as we're talking about withdrawal strategies, talk a little bit about some of the other analysis that goes along with this, you know, figuring out how much income we're going to need, what should our budget look like? I mean, I feel like we need to make sure we've saved enough to begin with, right? Yeah, that's a great point, Jen. You know, the there's very few people that come into our office where their number one goal is to try and pick some really risky investments and get rich. That's just not what people hire us to do. People are generally hiring us and they're trying to figure out when would I be able to retire? How do I know that I have enough? And how do I make sure my money lasts? And those are the kinds of things that most of us are are prioritizing and concerned about. And so if that's you, then this is an important process to go through. So what we do is uh, the first thing we start talking about is what do you actually want to accomplish? Uh, for most people, the goal isn't to get rich. It's to make sure you're never poor. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is we want to figure out, okay, well, what's your goal? What type of time frame are you hoping to retire? Uh, and of course, if you're already retired, then that, that means we need to make sure you stay retired, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. number one. And then the, the, the second one that can be a little trickier is talking about what you want to do in retirement, because that's going to back us into what you mentioned, which is kind of that spending plan or budget of how much money do you want to have coming in every month? And we have clients that are all over the place. You know, some people can, you know, enjoy retirement on, you know, a couple thousand, three thousand dollars a month. Some people need five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand a month. I mean, right. you know, it's, and again, there's no judgment on our part. We're just trying to help you accomplish your goals. So thank you, Jen. So we need to back into that. So uh-huh. now that we know how much you're going to have to spend, then we start building in, okay, what are the different sources of income? So social security and pension, and maybe that covers everything for you. For most of the people that hire us, they've had to save and accumulate some type of nest egg, and they're going to try and generate income off of that. And that brings us all the way back to your first question, which is how do we withdraw draw money out of there right, right, to right. generate that income to enjoy our retirement? So we've come full circle now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but really, I mean, you can see why it can get rather complicated. There are so many kind of boxes to check off as we're trying to prepare for retirement. And that's why you walk clients through a whole process to help make sure we're thinking all of these things through as it relates to our, our financial decisions for retirement. Yeah. What we talk about is there's five areas in our comprehensive custom-built retirement plans. And there are things like um, your estate plan. There's things like your health care and insurance plan. There's things like uh, your investment plan and your taxes. But the foundation of a successful retirement plan, we absolutely believe, is a written retirement income plan. And that just means um, the day you stop getting a paycheck, you know where your money's coming from. You know what sources, you know at what time. And the cool thing about it is it's custom built for you. And that's really important because maybe for some people, the day they retire is the best time for them to take their social security. But guess what? There are hundreds of different ways of taking social security and maybe that's not the best time for you. Maybe you should defer it. And then of course, the first question that you're probably thinking is, well, if I'm retired and I'm not taking my social security, what am I going to live off of? What's a really good question. (laughs) And that's, that's what your retirement, your written retirement income plan is going to answer for you. It's going to help you figure out where to take that money, how to do it so you stay in the lowest tax bracket possible. And if part of that's coming off your nest egg, how are you going to divvy that nest egg up so that you know that you can count on that money coming in every month like you need it to make sure that you're never poor in retirement? If you don't have anything like that, or if you have something but you're not really sure if it's a written retirement income plan or if it's set up properly, call us at 803-9-RETIRE. We'll do a retirement income analysis for you. There's no cost, no obligation for listeners of the show. Um, You just have to call us at 803-9-RETIRE. Once again, to take advantage of our retirement income analysis with no cost and obligation, call us at 803-9-RETIRE. Talking today with Pat Struby. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists, and I'm Jen Rizak alongside. Now, Pat, there are people who might take that traditional IRA or 401k, and that is, of course, a tax deferred account, and they might want to convert that into a Roth account so they can get those tax free withdrawals later. And that always sounds like a really great idea. Sounds yeah. like a, hey, hey, how about tax free? But <laughs> let's talk about what we need to know about this strategy before we were to try to make a move like that. Yeah, you've got a big pile of money in a 401k or IRA, 
and someone says put it into a Roth and now it'll all be tax free. That sounds pretty good, yeah. right? How about that? <laughs> so there's a small catch, which is when you convert it to a Roth, you have to pay taxes on all that money at that time. So that's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. uh, so we definitely want to make sure people know that. But this is what uh, we had uh, best selling author David McKnight. We brought him in to speak to our clients a little while back. And then uh, we've had him on the radio show as well. And uh, he talks about the tax deferred bucket that you can have your money in or the tax free bucket. And there's a few different strategies in, in each one of those buckets, but that's more complex than I want to get today. If you just think of it like the tax deferred is your traditional IRA and the tax free is your Roth IRA. Um, what we really want to do is uh, let's say you have everything in that tax deferred IRA, you know, like your 401k. And then if we're doing an analysis for you, what we're going to try and do is just run different scenarios and say, okay, what if we leave it all there? And then what's your situation look like? How much taxes do you pay throughout your retirement? What if we start trying to shift it over? And what if we try and get some of that into the tax-free bucket? And what's that gonna look like? And a lot of times there's ways where we can save you taxes. Um, now, the hard part about that is it really needs to be custom built because we are all different. So we all have a different you know, amount we can stomach in paying taxes. We all have different income needs. We have different tax brackets we're in. So there's a lot of things that you have to consider in doing that, but it's a really exciting planning opportunity for our advisors because we just love seeing a situation where, I mean, you know, if you project out, let's say you're 60 years old and we run things out to you being 90 or 95, mm -hmm. Jen, it's crazy when you see, you know, you might pay a million or $2 million in taxes. It's, I mean, it's kind of depressing really when you think about <laughs> it, but that means you've lived a long life and you've taken a lot of income and you're paying a lot of taxes because of that. But what if we run a projection that says you're going to pay one and a half million dollars in taxes over your lifetime, if we can do some planning and now it's a million dollars in taxes. Ooh. It still sounds like a lot, yeah. but that's $500,000 less in income taxes. Yeah. That's something that I would want to know more about. So those are the kinds of things that we're trying to do for all of our clients. And it works out differently for everybody, but those are the kinds of things that get us excited and trying to help people save in taxes. So when we're talking about some of these moves to make, and, and I think you've made a really good point or really uh, driven home this point that we need to be thinking about a withdrawal strategy and having that income strategy for retirement. When's the best time to get with a trusted financial advisor, a trusted financial partner to help make that happen? Yeah, uh, timing uh, of finding a good person is critical. And, um, you know, generally speaking, if we're focused on uh, creating a you know, a custom built retirement plan. I'm very comfortable with, you know, a rule I heard years ago, which is, you know, 10 years before and after retirement is kind of the retirement red zone. And that's where it's really important to know what's going on. Um, best-selling author, uh, William Bernstein, he always says the phase from when you're doing your long-term saving in your twenties and thirties and forties, and then you're switching over and starting to move towards that retirement portfolio. That's the most difficult and dangerous one. So that might be, say 55 to 65 for a lot of people. That's an, uh, amazing time to start understanding what different types of advisors are out there mm -hmm. and trying to figure out who a good trusted financial partner would be for you. So you probably have all these different questions, right? How much should you save for retirement? Where should you save it? How can you make sure it will last after you leave your job for good? There are so many different questions like that that you're probably asking yourself if you're getting close to retirement. And this, this is where people can get overwhelmed, right, Pat? Absolutely. And saving is a great start. It's a great start for getting ready for this next chapter of your life. But you need to do more than just save. You need an income strategy after you stop earning a regular paycheck. If you're listening to me right now and you don't have an income strategy, we invite you to call so we can help you create a spending plan to figure out how much you'll need for the retirement you've been dreaming about. Uncover the main risks posing a threat to your retirement, including inflation, stock market risk, potential tax increases, and skyrocketing health care costs. Learn about the options for generating income in retirement and learn how to keep your current standard of living in retirement even as costs keep rising. There's no cost and no obligation to do this analysis, but it's just for listeners of today's show. Call 803-9-RETIRE and ask for your retirement income analysis. The things we talk about, the strategies we use are designed to help you make sure the money won't run out no matter how long you live in retirement. We aren't doing this to make you rich. We want to help make sure you never end up outliving your retirement savings. That number, once again, is 803-9-RETIRE. 
We have more coming up on Save Your Retirement, but now it's time for today's Medicare Minute with author and Medicare expert, Tim Hanbury. Most people don't realize there are two enrollment periods for Medicare Advantage plans. The first is called the Annual Enrollment Period, which is from October 15th to December 7th. During this time, you can change to any other Medicare Advantage plan available in the county you live. And this is when you see all the ads on TV. The second enrollment period is called a Medicare Advantage Open Enrollment Period. And this runs between January 1st and March 31st. The main reason for the additional enrollment period is to help people who need to change the Advantage plan they're in. Advantage plans use networks of participating providers and will typically include prescription coverage. Sometimes, after the annual enrollment period, people find the providers they thought participated with the plan are not participating or a prescription medication that they take is not covered under the plan. This happens often enough that Medicare reinstated the open enrollment period in 2019 so that people can make a one-time change to a plan which better covers their needs. With Advantage plans, you need to be an active consumer to make sure the plan you choose is right for you. Visit Tim's website, MedicareBlueprint.com, to download a free copy of his book. Or if you would like to talk with Tim, call 803-9-RETIRE to schedule a consultation. To schedule a visit for your own customized five-step retirement review, call right now, 803-973-8473. That's 803-9-RETIRE. Thanks for joining us today on Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. I am Jen Rizak, happy to be here alongside Pat. He is the founder of Preservation Specialists. And in this part of the show, we're going to talk about a challenge that thousands of American families face each and every year. Nobody looks forward to helping our aging loved ones clean out their homes. This is mm. not something that I don't think anybody really looks forward to. And Pat, we spoke with actually David Eckert, who is a retired sociology professor, and he's the author of the book Downsizing. So I I have a comment from him on this as we get started today. Okay. One of the consequences of keeping a nice household over time is that we keep putting things away and we put things away on top of the things we put away on top of the things we put away. So One of the keys, if you want to thin out the amount of material that you're carrying around in your life, the key is getting things out. We've got to get these things out. (laughs) And it's not a fun task, Pat, for a lot of people. Um, This is real life, too. And mm -hmm. and I can tell you very quickly, Jen, uh, my parents are still living and they moved maybe 10 years ago. And I was the muscle, uh, which was, yeah, not, not the best idea. But they did some tremendous downsizing. They lived in uh, the very southern part of Indiana. They lived outside of Louisville. Uh-huh. And I didn't know how big the house was. I'd visited many times. Uh, it actually had a full basement. And I would stay there with the kids, you know, when we'd stay. But I didn't know there was like a second half to the basement. <laughs> oh, no. So they, they had done a bunch of Goodwill runs. They okay. they had like a stuff at auction. They threw a bunch of stuff out in the trash. And then they were like, oh, there's one more room. And they opened the door. And there's like oh. thousands of boxes. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, my goodness, what has happened? <laughs> so, yeah. so I've been through some of this in my life. Yeah, it is tough. And so this is our topic, our top five list this week to help our listeners keep on top of this, the things your kids do not not want to inherit from you. Top five things they don't want. Now, we will get to some of the things that that we do want to be leaving in terms of those inheritance plans and that type of thing. But number five on the list, photo albums. And Mm. Because, Pat, gosh, they take up so much room. You love the memories, but who has space for all the photo albums, right? Yeah. I actually... um... When I was younger, of course, that we didn't have digital cameras yet, so I had lots of physical photos, yes. and I, I ended up finding a service where I could send them in, and I got them back digitized. Nice. And, um, and that's phenomenal to me, because there's so many ways to display them now, you know, uh, digitally and things like that. So that, that's it's a great idea. I mean, people want, like you said, people want the memories, but especially when you have the old photos, and they're like glued to the, yes. you know, the plastic piece and all that kind of stuff. It's just Gosh. more stress than it is enjoyable. Right. And having them organized is just so much more convenient than trying to be like, what year did we go to the Grand Canyon? Let's try <laughs> to find true. that photo. Oh, my goodness. It's such a pain. Um, here's number four on the list. <laughs> 
China and collectibles. Again, I don't even know, Pat, do they even make like a China hutch anymore if you go to a furniture <laughs> store? I don't even know that they make places to store that stuff anymore. Isn't that something that like in the last generation has completely changed, right? right. Probably when you and I were young, that everyone had that. And uh, I will say my mom asked me years ago of what I was interested in in the house and probably 80 to 90 percent of the China collectibles I wasn't interested in. But there was always this set from her mom's side. Yeah. And it was like the teacups, the handle was like they were like little spotted snakes. And I always oh. thought they were so cool when I was a kid. So cute. So now those are in my house now. You have so them. Well, you know, I'll have to see if I get my kids interested. There in you go. Yeah, you know, I actually have my dad's grandparents China is what okay, I have wow. because my parents were gifted that for their wedding china and they never really used it and on mom and dad's 40th anniversary we had a nice dinner for them and then and we used their china and then I said mom you never use this ever I am just going to take it home with me now and she's like <laughs> okay that's fine so then you know I didn't inherit it from her after she passed away which would make me sad she was still living when I was like yeah. look I'm using your china so not everybody likes that stuff, but some of us like a little bit of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, and I think it goes to the point of like just talking with your family about yeah. these things, right? Yeah. I, mean, that, that, I think that's really valuable. Right. Yeah, that's another part of it. Because sometimes people get emotional and they get their feelings hurt. Why you might not want this thing or, or you might feel like you're being weird or greedy for wanting this thing. So just have those conversations, I think, is yeah. a big part of it. Number three, clothes. All, mm. <laughs> all the... My mom has, there's still, Pat, three closets full of clothes because as, oh, when my brother my. and sister and I moved out, mom just kept expanding into our <laughs> closets and it's still there. We still have to go through it. The clothes, they don't really want the clothes. Yeah. And that's like David Eckert said, like when you have a house, we're blessed with so much space these days and it just, it, well, mm -hmm. if I don't have to make a decision, I'll just keep adding stuff and adding stuff right? and- I mean, all of us can benefit from just kind of going and looking through stuff occasionally, right? And yeah. saying, oh, I haven't worn that for seven years. I probably don't need to save it, oh, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Just it's not like coming that. back. It's not coming back. Don't <laughs> no. worry about it. Uh, number two on the list, books. I don't have anyone in my family who are big book collectors, but I can mm. imagine that being kind of a cumbersome thing to hand down if, if that's a thing in your family. Yeah. So my grandfather, um, he loved going to used bookstores and kind of hunting around. And so I, I have kind of fond memories of doing that with him. And um, cool. I do, yeah. I do. It was really cool. But the, the one, the one thing we found out after he passed was he loved going to estate sales and he'd find, they usually sold the books by the box and he'd find one book he wanted. He would buy the oh, box uh -huh. and then he would take the book and read it and he would leave the box of books in his garage, which was very large. Uh oh. So we had lots and lots of books to donate um, <laughs> once we yeah. opened the door to the garage and saw what was in there. So, yeah, Boy. it definitely wasn't uh, necessary to, to keep those. Yeah. And, it's, you know, and there could be some that have some sort of monetary value or, or some sort of sentimental value. But, right, just the whole big collection, not necessarily feasible as a something to hand down. Number one on our top five list of things that your kids do not want to inherit from you, and I think, Pat, you're really going to like this one, mm. debt. Not ah. something we want to leave behind, <laughs> right? Nobody wants that. Yeah, that's true. And it's, you know, regardless of what the laws are, what the rules are, you know, inheriting debt is stressful, too, because you have to determine, you know, what are the rules and who's responsible for it and how do you handle it? So. That's a big one. That's a big one to, you know, if you have debt, be thinking about, you know, how to clean that up, especially to make sure you're not leaving stress behind to your loved ones. And Pat, I mean, those are the things on my list, but I think you've probably come across other things also that maybe people assume their kids will want, but maybe that's, it's really not the thing to leave down to the next generation. I'm sure you've come across some other items as well. Yeah. I think the two things that I've learned in my 25 years is number one, I have found, you know, there's a generation that's probably my grandparents that really it was absolutely taboo to talk about money or assets or anything like that. And so it was kind of this mystery, you know, as that generation started to pass away and you had to kind of comb through decades of statements and things, you know what I mean? You just didn't know what was there. I think the baby boomer generation is much more open to talking things out. And I think if you're comfortable with that, it can be very beneficial to just have a good conversation with your family about those types of things. You know, we've helped clients as they're finalizing their will or their trust with an attorney. And, uh, hey, let's talk about if there's something 
let's not just talk about your money. Let's talk about your stuff. If there's something, if you have a special memory about using something, some collectible with some grandchild, let's put it in there. Or if someone has told you, hey, this means a lot to me, the more you can document that stuff, the less you have to worry about there being arguments or hurt feelings in the future. That's number one. Mm -hmm. um, the second one, the last thing I would add is my bonus topic for the top five list you have <laughs> of things they don't want to inherit. Yeah, This is an interesting one, but in most families, the kids don't want to inherit their parents' house. Um, huh. And I, I was just listening to an expert talk about that. They estimated 99% of kids. That might be a little bit high. You know, sometimes there's families where it's been passed down from generation to generation. So, you know, if you're living in the house, your kids grew up and maybe there's some sentimental value. But most of the time, number one, we're not all living within a few blocks of each other like we did a couple of generations ago, right? So people are spread out. So sure, they may yeah. have no use for a house in the city that you're living in. And the second thing is it could be really complicated if you have two or three siblings. You know, how are you going to work that out? Oh, right. Yeah. And then, of course, the third one is we all have our own homes already. So what are we going to do with this extra house? You right. know, so it was just an interesting, you know, as I was listening to it, I've, I've seen that and I've heard that. Sometimes the house is kind of an extra stressor to the kids as they're kind of dealing with, you know, how do we make sure it's we're getting the right value for it and those types of things. Um, so it's just an interesting point to uh, consider as you're thinking about your assets and, and what you'll be passing along. Right. Absolutely. And and really, Pat, there are no wrong answers here for whatever it is that you're hoping to leave behind or, or what the kids are or aren't wanting to inherit from you. But the only wrong answer is not having those conversations, not talking about these things, because whatever your wishes are, it's not going to happen if you don't have those conversations and get those plans in place, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And you need to have conversations with your family about, you know, what your wishes are, what their wishes are uh, if you pass away. And of course, the last thing you want to have is something that's just a, a verbal conversation. You know, the more formalized you can make it, the better. Um, at, at a bare minimum, you want to have a simple will. Um, it's going to talk about what your wishes are. You know, we're not attorneys, but it's our understanding. If you really want something to be absolutely sure that's going to happen the way you want it, that's where a trust is probably going to be more beneficial. It's either difficult to contest a trust or maybe not even possible. That would be for an attorney to answer. But, you know, those legal things, it's not fun. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, Janelle and I, sure. uh, you know, I feel guilty saying this. We did not get our will and trust done immediately when we got married. Uh, we have, we've had it for a long time and we do review it periodically. Uh -huh. uh, it's important to do both of those things. And don't let being guilty, if you're behind, don't let that stop you. Every financial planner, every attorney uh, has seen all kinds of situations where things are overdue or have the, they've been missed. That is not a problem. The most important thing is to address it and try and make sure you've got things taken care of. And then the great thing about that is it, it kind of comes back to, Jen, our, our ultimate goal as a firm is to give people peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of having it done is it's peace of mind. You know it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. So let's talk, Pat, a little bit about what that process is like if we'd like to get started. Again, some of these things aren't really fun to talk about, but it's really important when we're thinking about not only having our wishes followed, but also, Pat, things like making sure that we understand what's going on with our income and how our assets are allocated. There's just a lot that you talk to people about. Yeah. And for most of our clients, the estate plan is not their biggest priority. Uh, but w sure. what we want to do when we're doing everything else, when we're making sure they have the money to retire, that their funds are invested properly to support their retirement. Part of that package is we also need to make sure everything is structured properly so that as much as possible is going to go wherever you want it to go. So if you're married, for most people, that's going to go support your surviving spouse for whoever passes away first. And then if you have uh, married with children, uh, a lot of that or all that's going to go to children. Maybe you have a church or charity that you want to support so we can help facilitate that. And the beauty of doing it proactively is there's ways you can do it where you can pay less taxes, where you can avoid probate fees. There's all kinds of things to make sure more of that money is going to the people or the organizations that you love. And of course, that's what it's all about. So if you're not sure if you have all of that in place, that'd be part of our five-step retirement review. For listeners of the show, there's no cost and no obligation. The number is 803-9-RETIRE to get started. Once again, that number is 803-9-RETIRE. You've been listening to Save Your Retirement with Pat Struby. Remember that number, 803-9-RETIRE. Be sure to tune in again next week for more insights from Pat, and we'll talk to you then. Have a great week. Securities offered through Arcadios Capital, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Arcadios Wealth. Preservation specialists and Arcadios are not affiliated through any ownership.